Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And our topic today is social media. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, who are you for the fine folks at home who may not know um i'm mitra jordan i'm a registered clinical counselor working out of victoria british columbia i work with adults mostly um lots of couples and families and i end up inevitably somewhere along the way talking about games mental health and social media definitely a topic that comes up Speaking of, I just saw the code for today. <laughs> <laughs> it's social media talk, okay? It was the best I could come up with. Also, I, I do want to address real quick. Yes, I know the the uh, sound and video is desynced. That is a problem between Zoom and XSplit that we were using, and we were trying to find a way to fix it. So please forgive us. It's just how it is, unfortunately, right now. Uh, but I am uh, Dr. B, Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And and uh, yeah, I'm the cl I am a non-practicing doctor of clinical psychology. I was clinically trained, but these days I do nothing but policy and education. And I am the clinical director at TakeThis.org, which at the time was the very first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. And yeah, I'm also an expert on the applied use of role-playing games in clinical settings and learning settings. And apparently I am like watching an old Godzilla movie right now um, because of uh, the dubbing. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> I enjoy that. I might just not speak much today. That's going to be a lot easier for people. Don't you think? <laughs> oh, I have not had enough caffeine. I went to music immediately. I was like, don't speak. <laughs> uh, yeah, people were noticing that I had the uh, the wrong date in the, the overlay. That's right. We were broadcasting from the future. Are we? How, yeah, no, what we did. We were broadcasting for a moment from August 8th. Hold on. Ti um, I'm a time lord. Hold on. Bow ties are cool. Um, <laughs> Fezzes are just, cool. Just run with it. There yeah. it was. Just do Any it. Any excuse for him to get a fez on there. I love it. Any. Nope. Um, so, yeah, social media. Um, what about it? Uh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yep, that's where we're going to end this episode. You have a good I feel one. that that's nice and brief, you know, which yep. is so unusual. We're really loquacious most of the time. But um, Ooh, there's we... your word of the day, gang, loquacious. Oh, good loquacious. Lord. <laughs> what do we want to address? We have so many um, things. We came up with plenty. Yeah, well, the, we, are, we are already seeing opinions. People have opinions already in the chat. We're hearing things like cesspool. We need, we're hearing things like Plenty. meat grinder for the unprepared. Trevor's hairstyle has taken center stage, which, by the way, is, is pretty typical it really of is most nice. social media. And yes, your hair looks great. Waves, your hair looks fantastic. I just, whose hair? Sorry. Both <laughs> of your hairs look fantastic. Yeah. Are we going uh, to address? Not just individual strands. <laughs> But, oh, you know, okay, so social media, it everybody seems to have an opinion on whether or not social media is good or bad for you. But there are, 
if you if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that we have thoughts and opinions on the concept of moral panic, um, especially as a reductionist description of any form of new media or technology, because it doesn't matter what form of technology or media you look at or where you go back in time, there was a villain, okay? In the 70s, Ozzy Osbourne was, and Alice Cooper maybe even, were, you know, the downfall of civilization. And, you know, for those of us who are of the MTV generation, Ozzy Osbourne's a doddering old man. And after Mm -hmm. the printing press, books were the villain. Oh, yes, And books stayed the villain for well over 100 years. In fact, um, anyone who loves Pride and Prejudice, as I do, no, but seriously, during the, the Regency three period, volume novel? it's just one volume. <laughs> <laughs> Is this War and Peace you're thinking of? Which you oh, know? that's that's an entire course unto itself. <laughs> But what I was going to say is that women who read or were educated were accused of being blue stockings, which meant, you know, they were somehow less marriageable. But before that, kids who were reading were accused of having their nose stuck in a book Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, not participating in life, I guess, is is the accusation there. There's a good episode of uh, Adam Ruins Everything that talks about some of this when it came to like technology and stuff and how like yeah newspapers uh were uh, said to be the downfall of civilization printing press was said to be the downfall of civilization books uh, all the way back to to uh, uh you know ancient times where they're like writing things down is the downfall of civilization you that was plato i believe remember things yeah right. because oh yes. plato, I, plato said that it would weaken the memory of children's of uh, children that's I right. believe. that's, that's right, right. So go back along all the way. Anytime there was some kind of new technology, who will think of the children? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Good meme there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> counting coup. What did, what did counting coup put? Uh, if it's Russian literature, what is it? Uh, talk so long. Takes take so, so long, long to read. read. <laughs> well yes. Can't be helped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You have you have you filled Doctor right Beast's pun quota. Oh, my pun <laughs> quota is everlasting and always unfulfilled. There's always room for more. It's a puns. bottomless well. Oh, yeah. I am a cesspool <laughs> of puns. But you know, okay. One of the big concerns I always have whenever there's this moral panic concept is when we basically reduce entire complex concepts down to simplistic terms like mm-hmm. if if we think about 15 years ago when the american pediat i believe it was the american academy of pediatrics or the american pediatrics association there's they're slightly different one of them is i have some issues with but i forget which one um and they issued guidelines on screen time as if screen time is all the same mm. whereas i i think those of us who are a little bit more versed in the internet understand that looking at a YouTube tutorial to learn how to fix your dryer. Is I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Was that what you were doing? <laughs> Not now. Obviously okay. we're, we're on air at the moment as it were. No, but, but we... I have a hundred percent YouTube, just normal housework stuff. Cause I'm like, right, I, totally. I, I know it is. Exactly. So the, the, the idea that looking at a tutorial on YouTube, because it involves a screen is somehow the same as doom scrolling. Oh, geez. They're, di- they're qualitatively different activities, but they both involve a screen. And so we reduce it down to screen time. And I fear we do the same thing with social media. That for those of us who use it for a living, it's of course the same thing as doom scrolling amongst friends on Facebook. Exactly, exactly. It's it's this. Um, what did you call it? Actually, monolithic. Monolithic. That's right. A singular perspective or a singular um, term that supposedly encompasses multi a multitude of experiences, which may not even be connected to each other. I love mm-hmm. the fact that, yes, yes, I did fix my dryer, actually. And even, I, I believe, some of the under 
um, the plumbing in my kitchen, which which I fixed. I'm pretty sure I checked YouTube for that as well. It's so handy. So th- there's no relationship between that and endlessly looking at your Instagram feed to see if there's more likes. I mean, come on. Yeah. So. Right. Well, and, and I mean, County Coup brings up a, a, a good point. I would have never actually learned how to tie a bow tie if it weren't mm-hmm. for the Internet. Mm-hmm. This, this this took me a while. It took some practice, <laughs> but thank you, Internet. Yes. So, but, yeah. Uh, what what do we actually know about like what social media does? We looked at a number of studies. Actually, I it's, lie. It's a Dr. B bag. looked at a number of really great studies for <laughs> us, <laughs> which I then read and concurred with. It, well, it's it. There's a mixed bag, and we we don't. There's a lot we don't know, and so let, let me give. And there's a lot to be. There's a lot to be said about looking at methodology and understanding certain things about it. Um, like a lot of our our audience is pretty savvy as far as psych stuff is concerned. And they understand that there's a difference between correlation and causation. Okay. It, but there's, there's something else to be said about research. And this may be something that y'all haven't heard before. And it's this idea of statistical significance versus practical effects Mm -hmm. okay and so there are there are social media studies out there and there's a lot of studies out there that they find what are what's called statistical significance that this is a truly significant finding that is differentiated from random error of measurement but does that mean it has a big real world effect so if i if i told you all that I can show a statistical significance between studying 100 extra hours for your SATs and improved SAT scores. That sounds pretty good, right? Like you, you're going to get, you are going to statistically have a better score than someone who doesn't spend those hundred extra hours studying. But what if I told you that statistical significance only accounted for 2%? If you study 100 hours, you're going to have a 2% increase. Is that worth it? Is that really is that really practical? Mm. And that's some of the things we see with some of these studies, like mm-hmm. uh, one that showed uh, a mild negative correlation between social media usage and mood. So as social media use went up, mood went down. But they found that it accounted for only 0.4% of the variability. Mm-hmm. Less than half of 1%. Yep. So while that may be statistically significant, it's practically useless. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't tell you how to handle social media in your own life or maybe the kinds of supports your kids or teens need if they seem to be engaging in more social media than you would like. You know, or then even maybe then they would like, what do we do about that? That mm-hmm. 0.04% isn't really going to help you achieve any significance, even if it is statistically significant. Yeah, there's there's mathematical statistical significance and yeah. then there's practicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is part of the reason I'm always sus- I'm suspicious whenever the local news is like a new study finds. <laughs> no, the new study found statistical significance. We don't know anything more than that because you're not getting into it. Yeah, I once, doubt once that. Once again, the... to bring up show, Adam Ruins Everything did a great episode about that. Did they? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah, about uh, about uh, studies that um, uh, like local news or like talk shows will use and how they're kind of bull. Uh... <laughs> I wonder how often those journalists actually read the full article because mm. so much of the time I've seen a misquote where like this is significant and you look at the article and actually it wasn't even statistically significant mm-hmm. or um, or it was limited to only one uh, subset of people or only one part of the world and you're like I'm not sure how this would generalize. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, I will say I've ha- I, in in talking to journalists, I have certainly had the pro- had that 
concern and problem before where um, they may not have understood some of the nuance of what a study was saying. Mm. And uh, I, and then I was like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That doesn't mean what you think it means. I'm like, no, it doesn't? No. Um, so it, what the media reports about media, ironically, <laughs> isn't always the most reliable. Yeah. This is why you have experts in this stuff. Like, I mean, some of the people I, I look at are going to be um, Andrew Zabilski over at, at the University of, I think he's at Oxford. Hmm. Um, gosh, he, yeah, no, uh, Zabilski is, yeah, at Oxford. Um, he's a, he's a good one to follow, um, hmm. for, for some of this stuff. Cause he, yeah, he does good research. Mm-hmm. But so these studies and whatnot, what it's, it's a small por- portion, but why does it seem like there is such a correlation between social media and people's minds and depression? Well, social media is a tool that we use to express uh, ourselves, to connect with others. And I mean, that that's so broad. But in general, when we talk about social media, what we're talking about is my engagement with the world and maybe with specific individuals, depending on how open my social media feed is, right? Um, and how that connects to my lived experience. And so... We all know that there are examples where this can go wrong. You know, you you post something, it doesn't go over well, or it doesn't receive likes, or uh, or it gets negative attention. We're humans, and that's going to affect our mood. Um, and so there are examples, certainly, where people have negative experiences on social media that maybe affect their mood. Um, just as we have negative experiences in life at times in the office or the schoolroom or in our just our inner inner interactions in the world, those aren't going to be all positive. But all of them aren't recorded in some way um, and played back <laughs> and remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think we're also at the same time as this social media piece is happening, we're becoming much more aware of mental health. There is, and certainly people like us are trying to create this greater awareness of mental health, of mental health issues, of challenges with mental health. And so at the same time, you have these two things kind of growing synchronously. Synchronously? Thank you. Simultaneously? At the same time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our porky pig moment between the two of us. <laughs> so you have these two things happening in concert with each other. Ooh. And, <laughs> and it makes sense, therefore, that you would notice both at the same time and wonder about the contribution of one to the other. So again, we're talking about correlational versus causal. Um and I think anytime you have a mental health issue that you may be more open about, maybe more vulnerable about, and if you talk about it more on social media, you're going to get positive responses of support and you're going to get negative responses, depending on the maturity of your audience, which is one of the reasons I think this is particularly hard on kids and teens. Um, mm-hmm. Because well, they're still learning how to connect with people, how to be in the world. And so I think that since they're using social media, for the most part, more than many older adults would be. And actually, that's a question. We don't actually know that. What we're doing really is focusing much more on young people and their use of, of, of social media. But mm-hmm. it's not necessarily true that young people are using it significantly more. They may be using different kinds of social media. Mm-hmm. They're using maybe Instagram and and. Um, more and the TikToks. Than I would be. <laughs> and the TikToks for sure. And then there's a whole bunch of other that have come and gone, the Snapchats and all the rest yeah. of it. Snapchat's still around. Mm-hmm. I don't know how popular it is right now, but then I'm not as in tune. I should ask my 16 mm-hmm. year old. Anyway, the point with all that is Friendster. That... Oh, jeez. <laughs> God. 
<laughs> you gonna talk about MySpace now in a minute? Oh boy. No, that's too mainstream. Way too old. Oh, I'll talk about the red versus blue uh, social media thing they had back when I was in high school. <laughs> Wait, what did red versus... Okay, we're going to Red versus about blue had their own social media thing at a bunch of forums, and that's where I hung out all the time. You can update your profile and message people and friend them and everything. Wow. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's, 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 let's hang on that for a moment, okay? Because... <laughs> Somebody no, no, I'm serious. To I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that, and I'm going to make a salient and important point. Oh, excellent. Okay. Right? That's, that's one of us, then. Shocking. <laughs> um, so, one of the... We, we seem to... When we talk about the social media, social media, we often hear about the... We often hear about the negative effects, the things we're worried about, but we don't focus on certain other things, like the fact that I don't know how many times I've heard this from rural LGBTQIA plus kids, that because they were in a small town and they had nobody of a like mind they could trust or connect with, the internet saved their life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That mm -hmm. it has made access to other communities more democratic and more easy and you can find people who you trust and who you connect with and who can share their experiences and share your experiences and you even being geographically isolated can feel less physically alone absolutely and yeah. that is an incredibly important thing for us to think about and for us to acknowledge when it comes to social media that it is a tool now on the flip side if you you can also find some pretty extreme viewpoints that um jive with you if you you know that's that's the dark side of this mm -hmm. but it can also save lives because yeah. You can find people who have had your experiences who can validate your own. Mm -hmm. And we miss that in the conversation about, you know, so the, this simplified monolithic conversation about social media is bad. Social mm -hmm. media is a cesspool. Social media has also saved lives. Yeah. I think the biggest problem in terms of our um, experience of social media has to do with our understanding generationally of social media. Um, and our negative assumptions about social media. They absolutely color our capacity to see uh, these better stories. And, and, and also, maybe they just doesn't make the same kind of news. Um, and that's the problem. So we're not, unless we're looking for it, we're not hearing these stories about how social media saves lives and about how crucial it has been for some people's um, even developmental process if they're really struggling with yeah exactly exactly mm -hmm. i mean for a lot of us who are neurodivergent um mm -hmm. a very one of the things that i wish more people knew is uh for a lot of us on the spectrum is that what are called asynchronous forms of communication like text instant messaging um even in-game chats where we have to type things out are easier for a lot of us because one I don't have to um, I don't have to respond with the same facial cues that you come to expect and I can also look at what's being said think about it for a moment and maybe take a few extra minutes to um, to to respond in a way that's more thoughtful or uh, authentic without the social pressure of me having to reciprocate all of the nonverbal cues that I'm not, I, I don't have mastered. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So then you can have more positive, deeper um, social experiences. You can meet more like-minded people. Um, you can share your own experience um, and grow in expertise as a professional. That's mm -hmm. all incredibly wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think we really discount... Like, let's, like, what are we talking about when we talk about problematic social media? You know, we have this, I think, you know, often there's this trope of the teen sitting in their darkened room, you know, phone lighting up their face, you know, um, no, which, you know, that's these kinds of... That better? 
for audio <laughs> listeners, you made it darker. <laughs> I should turn this all off and have like a weird purple glow. Right? Which is the same as the gamer in, in uh, their mom's basement sort of scenario, right? Mm. But it's the same thing. It's the idea of someone being isolated with only this as their way of yep. engaging with the world. And that is not the reality of, of most of our experiences with social media. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, there's actually a, a, a comment in the, the chat that I wanted to bring up. It's from uh, EvoComp. If you really want uh, to be depressed, watch the news. So the thing that's uh, interesting for me about that is like I remember as a kid uh, in fifth grade, uh, you know, all, a bunch of kids are like, there's some rated R movie that just came out that all of us wanted to go see, even though we're like fifth graders. And my teacher was like, hey, if you actually want to see a rated R movie, just watch the news. Like, it's, it's just as bad. And, um, like, now it's, like, that's social media. Like, like social media has come up to the same thing where, like, we were talking about earlier with the whole, uh, um, uh, like, books being bad and everything like that. Like, when news started up, that was another one that was, like, oh, people are getting depressed because they get all of this information from all around the world that they didn't know about. And it's kind of the same thing where it's escalating that but at the same time news did a lot of good thing back in the day news did a lot of good things that um that were good for people to know about and expanded things and creates accountability in yeah. terms of the news when we know what's going on it does create outrage which also creates accountability which is a good thing in terms of social media like it's such a broad term but say we're talking about something like instagram Okay, and mm -hmm. Instagram has really proliferated wildly, I'd say, um, so that you've got people making their money on Instagram, being stars of mm -hmm. some sort or the other on Instagram. You see crossovers between these people and um, all kinds of reality TV shows on Netflix, for instance. Um, so you've got this really interesting and not always... Um, it, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but I'm just going to point out that it's there. This interesting, this tool that people are then using to promote themselves in a variety of ways. Um, one of our local ice cream shops used to do a daily Instagram post through the pandemic about what flavors they had today. They stayed alive through the pandemic, I think, because of Instagram. Because you'd do a drive-by and you'd pick up you know, a pint of something that you might not have known about or thought about, and they were able to promote themselves in this way. Um, and that's, they're not the only local business that was able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's oh, yeah. social media use, but that's also PR that was personal, inexpensive, and a way for them directly to relate to the people who cared about their product. Mm -hmm. And the, yet the we conflate one with, you know, the other. Here, here's the thing, like straight up, I would not be here on this show or have the job that I do if it weren't for Twitter. There you go. It's just straight up like like it's not yeah. even like a like oh well maybe no like legitimately I wouldn't. So, yeah, Twitter has done some terrible things for my mental health as well, but like at the same time it's also done some really really good stuff. Well, and and so I so I Okay, some of some of our our viewers may have noted that we haven't directly answered the question: What does social media What does social media do to our mental health? And part of the reason for that is one: the research that's out there has a lot of mixed results. Mm -hmm. We don't yeah. really have conclusive stuff. And the takeaway point is: social media, like anything else, is a tool. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm I'm seeing even things in the chat, like the idea of the influencer as an as a negative term, when even that's a reductionist thing. Because um, as much as I dislike the term, people have been like, "You're an influencer," and I'm like, "You shut your mouth." <laughs> but so any I, but the truth is, anybody who has an audience is an influencer. Yeah, yeah. and how you utilize that influence is up to you. We can't we can't reduce it down to it being bad um, yeah. or good because there are certainly influencers that are trying to make a difference in the world yeah. and for the better. So what's happened here is social media tools have democratized information, access to creating information, 
Now with the algorithm, of course, you know, it's going to be tougher if you start out on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. You may really have no views. But the point is that there is a process by which you can put yourself out there without having to initially at least find an agent or Uh I'm sure it's harder without. But there's processes by which one can, like you, Trevor, start a new career because you did something you loved and you were able to build a community around it of interest. Um, And that's something that was not possible at earlier points in history. Mm -hmm. There were different things that have allowed us to democratize information, the printing press being one, um, radio, you know. um, But lots of our media over time has also been controlled because you had to have enough money in order to participate in that media process Mm -hmm. one way or another. But now you're actually able to participate in a media process to a degree that that would just not have been possible even five years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's that we're in the midst of a revolution. Mm -hmm. We Uh, don't don't have the same gatekeepers that traditional media does. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there was a, a question that was in there. Um, this is from Monkey House. That said, uh, even considering social media as a tool, uh, and its value depends on how you use it. How would you uh, square up with uh, how dominant it has become in such a short amount of time? And really, that's kind of everything. Like, we th- this this phone that I'm reading the chat on didn't exist 20 years ago. We just had a brick in our pocket that we could call someone on and maybe play snake and like everything is is expanding at an exponential level of speed and picking up because of the internet and because everyone's like oh an iphone i really want one of those which goes back to the influencer thing so everything's just kind of speeding up in that regard yes and in the last Um, year and a half we've had a pandemic which has increased the speed even more yeah yeah 100 percent yeah, and what the idea of the idea of research and technology has been brought up in the chat, and that's actually a really important thing to consider. And this was something that was touched upon in one of the journal articles that Mitra and I reviewed. Um, is this idea of this cyclical cycle when it comes to technology that there's a new technology, there is this panic that's created around it you know, for obvious reasons, if you really want to get into some of the moral panic stuff, I encourage you to read Stanley Cohen's 1973 book, Moral Panic, uh, who invented the term kind of, yeah, but, um, but then this politicians will start to use uh, this, this obvious stuff for their own political gain, but then they're going to outsource the research to scientists like, well, we don't know yet, but we're working on it. But the problem is that research is slow and technology is fast. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, as a, as a really concrete example, I've mentioned this before, a friend of mine who I trained with did this really cool dissertation on cell phone selection as a determination of personality factors. And huh. she validated it. It was really cool. But by the time it was ready to publish, nobody used those cell phones anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we run into this problem. Yeah. And so, but no progress is made. And then suddenly a new technology emerges, which is yeah. the new villain. Yeah. You yeah. know, D&D largely got off the hook in the late 90s when video games started being more and more the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Then suddenly in real life started to sound pretty good to people. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take our disclaimer break to remind our viewers and listeners of what we got going on here. And then when we come back, we can talk a little bit about what we can do. Be right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. 
I always got to make sure that the, the last bit of the oboe fully plays every time. Just uh, so it gets that last note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, so what can we do? That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to pose the question. I mean, it's an important question. Well, one of the things... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to answer in what I do for me. Because as a whole person... I am going to experience social media very differently than Mitra would or Trevor would. I'm autistic. And so that presents in and of itself certain challenges. But it also means uh, that part of the reason I will engage in things is going to be for a different reason. So as I'm going through social media... I need to be aware of why I'm doing it. And so we go back to something we brought up on this chat on this channel before and that's self-determination theory self-determination theory holds that we we all have like we have three drives basically a drive towards competence a drive towards connection with others on what however we define it and a and a drive towards autonomy when i first started using social media it was to connect because i often felt like i couldn't in real life and if my usage is getting a prop getting to be a problem I need to think about why I'm using it to substitute a behavior that does the same thing for me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm using social media to connect with people, but I'm engaged in it so much that it's starting to become a downer mm -hmm. or taking away from me, then I'm going to, I'm going to substitute another connecting activity in my life. And that's mm -hmm. one of the ways I try and approach it. I, I I have totally done social media breaks where um, I, usually what I do is, you know, because, again, the, I, when I was doing this during, you know, freelancing and stuff like that, I still keep them on my phone in case somebody needed to reach out to me. But I took all of the apps, put them in a folder, put uh, made a hidden page all the way to the end of my home screens and dropped it over there so it wasn't even something I would see and would just not go on it for about a week and man i was really bored um but <laughs> but it it was good it, it was good to take a retreat um the 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 social media or not the social uh, the the uh, community director for uh um inner uh i can't remember the company's name the ones that do uh um, um among us oh inner sloth yeah, yeah, Intersloth. Uh, yeah, what Victoria the, post? Yeah. Well, no, the, uh, they're taking the uh, vacation, and straight up was like, I'm not posting anything. I'm God, not I love Victoria anything. so much. Seriously. Seriously. And, and I, I absolutely love that. And I even I even responded uh, to, to the post, and it was like, as someone who just became a community manager, this is like the best thing I could have seen. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I hope you have a great vacation. Like, that is the best thing you can do. And yes, taking a break from social media is not bad and it can help right so i'm going to address social media in two parts in terms of what to do first i'm going to talk mm -hmm. about kids um and sometimes the what comes up when i'm in session with parents and then i'm going to talk about me mm -hmm. so helping your kids understand that social media is a tool that they can use how they want is first of all an empowering thing to remind them of. Um, because recognizing that it's not this thing you have to do and you can determine how much you engage, even if your, your friends are sort of pinging each other all the time, maybe you ping once for every 10 pings. You know, you decide how much you want to engage. Learning restraint with social media is an important skill. Because we're going to have to engage in it in some way. And our children will certainly also be engaging in it in some way. And it's, as we've talked about, this broad term. So helping bring it down to that. Why are you engaging in social media? What are you looking for from this experience? Is that helpful or is it interfering with other things you'd like to do? And what form of social media? Like some of my, my kids will play games with friends and that's where they're also chatting. They're playing a game. They're talking. They're having this this community time together. I don't think that's comparable 
to posting on Instagram. Not that Instagram is better or worse. I'm just saying mm-hmm. those are different experiences. Some of my kids have an Instagram group with friends that they regularly post to just to check in with each other and also to determine when are we meeting next. And it's kind of their group chat. That's also a great use of it. So what are people using it for and how are they doing? And is there a connection between their use and their mental health? And for myself, as many of you will probably have noted, um, I'm responsive on Twitter, but I don't post a lot. And that's kind of one of the things I do is that I limit how much I post on things. I limit my my um, use of social media because I do find that if I'm like it can be a real time sink for me. And though I want to be connected to people, I'll look at things occasionally in order to stay connected. But I'm not using it a whole lot because that's what works for me. And I have no judgment about someone using it more than I do. We all have to determine what makes sense for us. The bigger question to ask yourself is, is this interfering with other things I want to do? Mm-hmm. If no, then great. But if you feel like you want to try taking a break and see what time it frees up, that's great too. The important thing is to feel like you're making those decisions for yourself and your experience with social media, you're driving that particular bus and it's not driving you. Mm-hmm. Well, and it and one of the things that we need to, one of the things we need to start I think emphasizing in schools uh, more because we ha- we had this when I was in elementary school, but obviously the playing field is very different now, and that's media literacy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because you know back you know back when I was growing up, some some person could be hand handing out pamphlets at you know on the street corner, and then another person could be handing out pamphlets on the next street corner, and I'm not going to necessarily consider those with the same level of um, consider those having the same degree of reputability as my physician communicating information because there's legitimate expert power there. Not to say my 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 physician's always going to be right, but I'm 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 putting m- more money on their <laughs> reputability than somebody spouting out strange political theories on the street corner handing me a self-printed flyer. But a lot of times we can't tell the difference on social media these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, additionally, there have been a number of people, and I will lament this, is the is the death of expertise. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen we've even seen this in in like the chat from this show where periodically people people have told Mitra and I to, quote, do our research when we've talked about mental health matters. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I, I have. <laughs> yeah. I, I have literally spent over a decade and a half learning this stuff. Yeah. And your Google foo isn't quite the same. <laughs> and so... Yeah there's there's a tension that needs to be considered and dealt with in that that a lot of people consider their opinions to be the same as you know of equal weight as people who have literally spent their lives studying something mm-hmm. that's a problem one of the things that i always kind of tell myself in the back of my head and i tell this about i tell this about other people and even myself is you can uh believe that you are right all you want and still be wrong like that—that that is something that I just continually tell myself. I'm just like this thing that you think is uh, absolutely true and right. There is a there is a chance that it is wrong. Always remember that, and that's that's just something that I, I I keep in my head. Yeah, and research also evolves certainly. But those of us who work in this industry, I certainly keep doing my research. I'm always always trying to upgrade my skills, um, because that's an important part of the work I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I don't know. It's it the 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 take home message for a lot of this stuff. I think is it depends. I mean, mm-hmm. I I've I think we've made that joke before, especially from two mental health professionals. That if you ask us a question, our answer is going to be it depends. <laughs> that is the right cham- That's the right answer to every question. Mm-hmm. And 
reductionist attitudes towards things present their own problem. We saw that with reductionist attitude. I mean, we see that with every moral panic. Absolutely. Reducing everything down to, again, word of the day, monolith. Ah! Yeah. And it's, yeah, the, the, the fear-based sort of, I don't like change, this is change, I don't understand what's happening, isn't going to help in your relationship to something. It certainly won't help in your relationship to children, your teens, your young adults who are who may be more conversant in social media than you are, or they may be conversant in specific types of social media that you haven't really explored because they tend to be early adopters to this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being willing to engage in a conversation about what is this thing? What's great about it? What's exciting about it? What are you learning from it? Who are you chatting to on it? You know, these are good questions. But coming at people generally with judgment, like, well, I think it's all bad. Get off of my lawn. You know, that's not going to help anyone. Least of all, Get off my digital lawn. Get off my digital lawn. That's a great line. <laughs> well, okay. So I will. T- the first time I discovered Twitch, okay, I was, I was actually sent to TwitchCon 2016. And I was really unfamiliar with Twitch at that time. And I show up and I I had this preconceived notion of like, okay, so basically this is like public access TV combined with a, with AOL instant messenger. Yes, I'm old. (laughs) I mentioned it was my 40th birthday last week, last week. All right. (laughs) And so the, and so I, I went in with this preconceived notion of what the mechanics of Mm. twitch was and i don't think i'm entirely wrong in saying it's like public access tv no you're not aol instant messenger yeah i mean it does combine those things (laughs) bob ross has been played on there quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) ah happy digital trees it's your world (laughs) but the but it was a very different lived experience going to twitchcon and seeing firsthand the kind of communities it built, seeing the joy at people meeting IRL for the first time when they've only known each other across a screen and getting to see people's reactions as they meet their favorite Twitch streamer. I don't care if it was someone who had 50 50 followers or 5,000, there was still that joy there of getting to interact with that. And that purely mechanical description could not convey that kind of lived personal ex- felt experience mm-hmm. it just leaves it all out there's a difference between being immersed and and academically knowing about something mm-hmm. yeah um let's go ahead and check in with chat and see what they have been up to during this episode we're gonna start with garwar uh whether social media is good or bad uh for you seems to depend on whether or not you know how to set boundaries online or not which is a whole other thing i mean we could do a whole episode about that and include social media (sighs) as part of it because yeah that's true setting boundaries for it is a thing i liberally use mute block and all those fun things because uh, yeah it's this is what i use to uh look at for entertainment or for you know uh just being in some sort of online social thing and if i don't want to see it i'm not gonna yeah and my my dms aren't open yeah yeah i am pretty sure you have we have to be mutuals for someone to message me but i could be wrong uh reaver01 says social media is a tool just like money it depends on how you use abuse it uh which determines how positive negative it is yeah yes yeah it's again it's the yes and no thing where it's like yeah no parts of that is absolutely true but there are other parts of it that is like it can be negative and it you you have to do something in response to it so because boundary setting in relationships that's a really important skill to develop. Yeah. And so your relationship to social media is just another arena in which to set healthy boundaries for yourself mm-hmm. and who you're willing to engage with, who you invite in. Mm-hmm. It's true. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from uh, Tabletop Santa. Uh, we tend to connect with uh, people with similar ideals and issues, and that can put uh, put you in a bubble. And if you always are talking about something negatively, you will always be bombarded by negative. Uh, if you surround yourself with positive, uh, you will get more positive. And I think mm, that I, I feel like that one, at least in my opinion, is more on my side of things like i have tried to stop putting out negative stuff like the other day uh, a friend replied to something about uh, a tabletop rpg that i don't have the greatest opinion of and instead of responding to it i hate that the game how dare you play it and, like i just private message was like yeah this is i don't really like that one that much just as a heads up like i i did it in private because i don't need to be putting out that negativity it does not matter someone else might see that and it ruins their day or something like that and when it's just between me and my friend um and there's something we seem to be talking about a lot and that's boundaries mm -hmm. it's almost as if boundaries are important no matter what the activity absolutely yeah. Yeah. they just are what do we how do we allow our closest friends to treat us what sorts of comments does our husband or or a wife or partner spouse whoever get to make mm -hmm. um you know so i think that in all these arenas in our life, we teach people how to treat us. Um, and how we behave around social media is a reflection of that. I agree that certainly we've looked at sort of bubbles politically and so on in terms of social media. You know, what do I, what do I see and what do I want to see? But I think that's true of other experiences in our mm -hmm. life as well. How oh, open-minded yeah. and curious am I? What am I willing to invite in and understand? Am I closed to those things or not? And and is that that's going to be true of the community I form around me as well? Yeah. So. I I don't hang out with people that annoy the heck out of me. <laughs> like, I will not go to those parties or something. Um, let's see. Uh, oh. Big Paper Meridus? I think that I think that's how you say that. Big Oh no, Big Pop. I can't read the. It, it, you you know what I'm saying. Uh, Was it is it Big Papa Emeritus? That's the one. Nice. That's, that's awesome. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, not having to look someone in the face and maintain proximity is awesome. I, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this great. one. If, if anyone saw me chuckle to myself at a point in the show that wasn't funny, it's because I read this uh, this message. It's from MLB Mickey. Uh, local news will do a piece on how bad social media is for you and then say, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and et cetera. Oh, my God. That was yeah, so I mean, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that really got me. Tonight at 11. The scourge of social media on your local news. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Thanks, K. Bye. Yes. I I always have loved those uh th those quick uh, uh commercial things for local news. Like there was a God, I can't remember who the comedian was a long time ago that uh did a set of I was like something you're staring at right now could blind your children forever. Bl more at eleven. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's an asteroid heading towards Earth. Will it hit? Find out more at eleven. <laughs> See, the thing is, I actually saw that. I actually saw that when I was in eighth grade, my local news did one almost verbatim like that. And I went, I'm never watching local news again. Uh, yeah. Start. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it's it, that those things are those are so weird. You hear some really terrible story. And then coming up, women and monkeys. What's the latest? You know, some ridiculous thing. Like that. I, you know, I, oh, I, I think the best parody i can recall and still the most salient nearly 30 years later in some cases actually 30 years later is some of the early stuff the simpsons did with ken oh, Rockman. yeah oh and, my god i mean so true the the episode that they did with homer in space and you, they just point out exactly how much of a business model the local news was and you know there's kent speculating that ah ah the one thing is for certain the answer coming <laughs> and I would like to remind our new insect overlords that as a trusted local news me news celebrity, I could be useful for gathering people for their underground sugar caves. And I'm <laughs> God, yeah, that was so good. Um, 
Star Chaser 43 says, Mitra, I can relate to your point about social media being a lifeline for local businesses to survive during the pandemic. I talked to many business owners who told me it was uh, critical for letting their customers know that, uh, yes, we are open or even we do have curbside service. So thank you, Mitra. And that is true. That definitely during the pandemic, that was so good to be able to see which places were like, hey, we're doing curbside pickup. Hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're acquiring this. All that stuff. Absolutely loved it. Um, let's see. Revero one comes back. It says, uh, uh, how can we as a smaller group within the population help promote more positivity on various social media platforms besides through examples uh, like uh, Coach, uh, what is it? Coach Goron? Is that Coach Gowron? Oh, no. Coach, Coach Gowron is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Coach yeah. Gowron is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love Coach Gowron. I get that. I follow that. him because of you. No, well, uh, Coach, uh, Co Coach recently chastised me for being positive, but too shouty. <laughs> and and essentially, it it is like that, like just putting the positivity out there um, and whatnot. Like I I think I think that is a big one. And but also, this is another big one. Uh, elevating other positive things and like there's i mean there there's a thing that went around a while ago where it's just like people always show up when you're sad but when you're celebrating there's no one there and do that celebrate with people promote the positivity of everyone you know being happy about what they're doing and what they've got going on it's mm. it's it's it goes a long way i want to bring up that uh ttrpg rp gifts says i try to keep it positive we love you. I try to keep, I really try, and yet stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. because there's yeah. things in life worth standing up for. Yes. And so sometimes we just have to say, no, I'm not going to stand for that. Yeah. And there's, and that is still positive, right? That's mm -hmm. still important. So one of the things that does happen on social media is we sometimes find ourselves in a situation where we're like, what am I going to say here? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's important. Yeah, That's like don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. So Even though I'm saying like saying like, that. oh yeah, like I'm I'm saying like promote you know positivity and stuff like that. But like yeah, y you can't that the, you don't want to go to the toxic positivity place because here's the thing: social media is what you are choosing to put on it. So you don't have to always be a positive person, but what you put out into there can be positive. But you know. Things happen, just like TTRPG uh, Gift said, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it, it's it, it's a balancing act with that. There, there, there's Definitely. there's one that I there's one that I told uh, Doctor B yesterday though that was had to do with the uh, like you know scrolling through and seeing people like really good posts and everything. It's like yeah, people will always post when they're on a wave runner, but not when their dog takes a crap on the the carpet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I put it in the notes for you Mitra. Did, you did, yeah. That wave runner versus dog feces. Ask you Trevor. Did. <laughs> I noticed that, and I was. But yeah, no. Pe but people like, curate their oh, content. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's curated, yeah, and and that and that's one thing that like I try to do is that my curation is uh, trying to be positive about things, but I will get negative on things if it is if it is bad. Like, don't get me wrong, people who follow me know. Um. <laughs> it, it is interesting this piece around um, a lot of social media being curated, and I think that on one hand, we want to present you know either a clear message or clear positive, you know, hey guys, doing great. Um, at the same time, it can dehumanize us, you know, to not actually expose and express who we are more fully. Mm -hmm. But you determine who you follow on social media, what you engage with, and how you present yourself. Yeah. So... Um, well, I think that is a good place for us to end today's uh, discussion. Uh, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you on, uh, funny enough, the social medias? <laughs> you can find me on my website at mitrajordan.com. You can certainly find me on Twitter at Mitra Jordan. Um, I do see your posts. I do respond. Um, and I just don't necessarily check my Twitter feed more than once a day. <laughs> I, on the other hand, live on social media 
Uh, <laughs> and you can find me at most on most of them at the Doctor B. That's T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy. And uh, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm around. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Class podcast every Friday, as well as on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there, as well as pretty much anywhere the Idol Champions community is found, because that's me now. <laughs> um, you can also catch me on Champions Lore every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitchtv games. Uh, thank you to Jay for moderating the chat and doing a fantastic job as always. Uh, thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This Doc Ord for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch it later as a podcast at 2 p.m. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, you can send them into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. For those live with us, be sure to come back at 1 for Bardic Inspiration. Uh, And uh, I will get that uh, the the streaming schedule out as soon as I have it. It may have gone out because Lauren maybe uh, have gotten it and been really awesome to put it out there. But who knows? We'll find out. But uh, yeah, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.